Uh, Jeremy, you, you want a kicker? Oh, yeah, yeah. Kickers get traded for best players all the time. It's kind of a thing in the CFL. Uh, yeah. Give me the kicker and, uh, hey, hey, Bob, what a, throw throw those darts. Throw, throw a dart. Hey, Bob landed on a three. Can I get a third-round pick, too? They once drove to Vancouver from Edmonton to go to the Grey Cup in a Toyota Matrix with summer tires. While listening to the entire Tragically Hip discography, they love their Canadian football. John Fraser, a Winnipeg Blue Bombers fan and sports reporter from Saskatoon. Does this mean I have to start researching? And Travis Cura, a Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan and radio announcer from Red Deer. Does anybody want to do fantasy Dancing with the Stars next uh, season? Bring you the Two and Out CFL podcast. Every week, Fraser and Cura will deliver news and fantasy analysis from the Canadian Football League. And nonsense. Can't forget the nonsense. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out Podcast. Ready, set, hunt! Welcome to episode 21 of the Two and Out CFL Podcast. It is Fraser and Kura and Fraser once again. Your Bombers fandom was questioned on the Facebook page. Well, I know it always gets questioned. It's just, again, nobody has been through this much suffering in such a long, long time. I'm just, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of the team playing badly. And I think I'm allowed to express that as a fan. Yeah, so so Paul writes the following message. And it uh, basically goes, does anyone else find Fraser's lack of commitment to his team, a.k.a. the whipping peg blew it bomberers to be as disturbing as I do. <laughs> I'm sure the ghost of Joe Poplowski is rolling over in his grave in disgust. Come on, dude, support your team in the bad times. And what makes good times so good? Dude, dude, there's been like 20 some years of bad t- <laughs> times in an eight team league. <laughs> like get it together. They've been, they've been just bad. I'm just like, I'm not giving up on them. I shouldn't say that. Will I give up on a season? Absolutely. Can I get mad? I think it's well within my rights, but honestly, like, man, there's a stinky cheat and there's no hope for the future. I just, I just don't see that team being good anytime soon. And when they are, well then look out. To be fair, the Riders have been a team for, is it 105 years now? Yep. So 101 years of nothing. Uh-huh. Of failure. So, uh, you know, I, I know how you feel, man. See, uh, and that's and that's it. You're not giving up on your team, but let's face it, I do my best. And, I mean, that's, that's part of my job is to be objective no matter how much I want to cheer for somebody or not. That's kind of what my gig is. I have to be objective at times, and that's what, the way I look at the Bombers. They're not a good football team, and they're fundamentally flawed. However, bring in Sergio, and he is like he's a Brazilian <laughs> soccer player in my books. Jade tweeted me what a difference a kicker makes, and he is right. I flat out said to him, if they somehow make it to the Grey Cup, my next jersey is just going going to say Sergio 33 I, I want to upgrade that if they make the playoffs you should get that jersey yeah but my wife's about to go on mat leave and I have no money oh well <laughs> maybe maybe we can have a baby shower for you I I like it you know just bring uh bring lots of great west beer uh and a Sergio 33 jersey all right it's a deal uh size size large in the jersey too by the way Trav if you're uh, going to the gift registry at the bomber store <laughs> Can you register for gifts at the Bomber Store? I don't know, but we could be the first to try. Hey, you're the first to be in the Great Cup Club. Uh, again, like I said, that Dressler jersey will probably fit my soon-to-be newborn. <laughs> Let's get to the news. In the Huddle with Fraser and Kura on the 2 and Out podcast. 
All right, so Wednesday was deadline day in the CFL. Now, a couple trades were made. Uh, Kevin Glenn traded to the Alouettes for a six-rounder. The Owls then got that six-rounder back from Hamilton because they traded Mike Edom. But I, I think I, I know the Kevin Glenn uh, trade is a big deal, but the biggest mm-hmm. deal for me has to be the Riders trading Messam to Calgary for Tyler, uh, the McMaster kicker. I don't know how to pronounce his last name if I'm being honest. Krabinga. Uh, let's go with that. Uh, either way, <laughs> Travis, I think this brings us to our second edition of Drunk General Managers on the phone. <laughs> This is how I envision things. Picture this in your mind, dear so podcast Jeremy O'Day listeners. is uh, partying a little too hard. No, no, no. Here's exactly what happened, Travis. Okay, I will okay, break okay. it down for Breaking you. Breaking okay. news on the Two and Out podcast. Drunk General Managers makes the return. It's seen interior riders' offices in Regina. It's around 7 a.m. when the Glengill got done. Jeremy O'Day's sitting there. Somebody walks in. Let's say Bobby Dice, because he seems like a kind of guy who's a good guy. He'd be like, hey. You know what, Jeremy, you've had you, that, that Montreal negotiation took a while. You got some value for Kevin Glenn. You want to go grab a real early morning Caesar like we're back in, you know, the 70s when people drank with breakfast. And you know what, Jeremy's like, ah, you know what? I still got some stuff on the line. And Bob Dice <laughs> flashes that smile and goes, come on, man. The, 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 the Blue Jays game is coming up. You got to get prime. So next thing you know, he goes down to some place in Regina, let's say Lancaster's, and uh, has one too many of those breakfast Caesars. And then the phone rings. Bzz, bzz, phone ringing. Hey, uh, Jeremy. 2015, it's vibrating. That's right, vibrating. And, hey, Jeremy, John Huffnagel. Uh, I, I kind of want Jerome Messam. Corvus isn't that? playing this week, so he needs, uh, he needs a running back. What's that, John? You want Jerome Messam? You know what? You know, you, you know what? He's the leader. I shouldn't see a foul. You just give me something for him. <laughs> Well, uh, what, what were you thinking, Jeremy? Uh, who's that? Who's Hey, Bobby! Bobby, who's who's that guy that they can't say his name? He did the thing with the kicking and the van. Krapinga? Kraping? Uh Jeremy, you, you want a kicker? Oh, yeah, yeah. Kickers get traded for best players all the time. It's kind of a thing in the CFL. Uh, yeah. Give me the kicker and, uh, hey, hey, Bob, what a, throw, throw those darts. Throw, throw a dart. Hey, Bob landed on a three. Can I get a third-round pick, too? Uh, 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 yeah, yeah, sure, Jeremy. Uh, let's uh, phone this in the league. Off. That's all right. Hey, hey, you got to Me and Bobby have been here since, like, the, the Glenn trip. Did you see me check Kevin Glenn? I got, I got like, just as much for him as I did for the league's leading roster. <laughs> trading Kevin Glenn today. I got, oh, boy, oh, my wife's going to be mad. I was supposed to be home for what time is it? <laughs> Okay, Blue Jays, let's play ball. Where am I? League office? Who are you? It's John Huffnagel. Okay, okay, okay. Let me find league office. We'll make this a trade. Bing. And that's how the trade happened, Travis. <laughs> so I assume you're not a fan of the deal. Messam, from what I understand, has another year left on his contract. Now, he I was- saw on Twitter that he's a free agent following the season. Uh, now, okay. See, I've I was told that I was told that he is still under contract, or he had a contract extension on the table. Either way, to me, with you're getting so. I mean, let's face it. You could go out and draft a Canadian kicker. In fact, you did, and then you let him go when Calgary Dinos kicker Grant Shaw, who tried out for 
uh, not Grant Shaw, pardon me, Johnny Mark. He went to Ottawa, tried out there. He's now back with the University of Calgary, and he's doing quite well at the CIS level. At one point, he was your draft pick. Yeah. Kickers kind of grow on trees. There's there's lots of Canadian kickers out there. Well, ask uh, Winnipeg. Well, yeah, well, don't get me started on the win. Let's not <laughs> talk the, the Red Winnipeg. Blacks. <laughs> or the Red Blacks, but... Again, I don't see trading a guy of value for essentially what what most would consider a throwaway position. Just at the very at the very least, you're now giving Jerome Messam time to learn the Stampeders organization from what everything I've ever been told is first class. Even if you want to try to resign the guy, you know, which I think they did, and move forward with with Messam, who's proven he can carry the rock. I just, I just don't like it. I don't like the deal one bit. I, I think you, you've lost everything for Jerome Messam. Uh, the, the kicker, he could be great, and he could really stabilize that position for Saskatchewan. If he does, though, but it's hard to argue that a Canadian kicker is anywhere near close in value to a ratio-busting Canadian, especially when the riders... I don't even know how they're going to make the ratio now. Yeah, so let's... Uh... Oh, Lee Jones tweeted it out. O'Day says Messam was set to become a free agent, uh, looking to the future of that position as and well. Lee's, and Lee's a great source, so you know what? I, I, I respect what uh, what Lee is saying, so he's he's probably correct. I still, you know what? I, to me, he was a guy that, that I struck as somebody that the riders should aim at keeping long-term. Yeah, you and know, th- th- this to me is kind of why I'm surprised that they got rid of Stephen Miller because I thought if they still would have had him, they would have give him a shot the rest of the season. Now they have Anthony Allen, and I think I think Allen is kind of peaked. We know yeah. what Allen gives us. There's no more upside there. Yeah. Now, now you're basically at square one for next year training camp. I think. Yeah, and and you would have gone in, let's face it, if the Riders want to be good as soon as next year, you're going to need some solid veteran positions. And, I mean, yeah. they've still got guys like Chick and George and Labatt on that team. But I don't see – you're not – to me, you're not getting such great – if Calgary would have phoned up and said, we'll give you our first-round pick, absolutely, you do this deal. You can get yeah. a Canadian who can start right now. So you're giving up a Canadian who can start right now for a spot where you already have a Canadian and who knows what Paul McCallum's future plans are. Maybe he wants to move out of Carm Carteri's basement and move back to BC. I don't know these things if he's contemplating retirement. Again, I don't know. I don't like it. I don't think they got enough for it. Uh, Again, they always get the negotiationless player that we can't know and so on and so forth. But I like the Glenn deal. I love the Glenn deal. Get whatever you can for him. His stock is a little low right now after not being exactly great in the past couple games. But you got to think the Riders just turned their starting quarterback and their starting running back into two mid to late round draft picks and a kicker. That is that is not a good haul for really the only two guys they probably had a value. I don't. I think I think they could have got more from Essam, and I think they should have got more, or they should have held on to him and gone all in to re-sign him this offseason. He knows your offense. He knows you know what you bring to the table. From all accounts, he was a great guy in Regina. And the media there loves him. I I'm not I'm not down with this at all. It was definitely interest, interesting. Maybe they were kind of handcuffed maybe they knew he wasn't going to re-sign or for some reason they had not planned on re-signing him and so they just took what they could get because it's better to get something than nothing i'm sure mccallum is done after the year and uh you know the kicker's good but it's a kicker 
Uh, <laughs> and that's and that's what what you have to like. I just look at the fact that you gave up a a ratio busting yeah. Canadian who could have potentially. And like you said, we don't know if he would have resigned. But does he even know if he would have resigned? Maybe they've offered him contract extensions throughout the year. We don't know this kind this kind of stuff. But to me, Messam was a guy that should keep in the fold next year because if you're going to have Durant and young quarterbacks at some point, you, you know you're going to need to run the ball. You know what you're getting out of uh, out of Anthony, but uh, Anthony Allen. It, I just, like I said, I just, I, I, unless, unless it is, unless it's the hypothetical you're discussing that he absolutely would not resign, I don't think this is a good deal whatsoever. Now I'm looking at things from the Calgary point of view, which all oh. of a sudden <laughs> they look, I, I think they're looking at Edmonton as a legitimate, uh, you know, team that could beat them in the West Finals. So if Cornish is unable to go, now there were some people saying that there were rumors he was done for the season. I have seen nothing uh, no, I'm to with do you. with that. So he is out for this Argos game. Now let's be let's be real here. Uh, Jerome Messam is a big upgrade on Mr. Matt Walters. No offense oh, to him, for so- sure. <laughs> I, I, and he's a s- tremendous upgrade. And I mean. This is the biggest insurance policy Calgary oh. could probably go out and get. Outside of Andrew Harris, nobody else is a starting Canadian tailback in the CFL that can contribute right now. Obviously, BC is not going to give up Andrew Harris. So the rider or the Stamps went out and got the next best thing from Saskatchewan. They get Jerome Messam. And now if Cornish is hurt worse than they're letting on or if he does go down with another injury or if he has to miss a playoff game, you go right to Jerome Messam. And it's a different style of runner, but from a pure skill you know, from purely being able to move the football, you're not losing anything as much, I should say, going to Jerome Messam. Plus, he's a big man that can block, and I think it's a huge pickup for the Stamps. And that that you know what, it really is, and I hate to use it because it sounds like I'm being punny, but it really is a two-horse race out in the West right now. I honestly think that uh, Edmonton should have made the move because – but I think the issue there is their offensive line. They brought in some of the new guys, some of the guys that came back from yep. the NFL, and it's just not gelling the way it was earlier in the season. Shakir Bell had some big games. Simpson had some big games, and now they're not having any games. No, and, and I think right now it, it's probably hard if you're either in that, that Edmonton or that Calgary dressing room, you know, getting up for a game because, let's face it, for Edmonton and Calgary, minus – the home field really which i know from talking to coaches and stuff they don't care about that as much as the fans seem to care about that and the organization seem to care about that they'll go anywhere and play a ball game but what do you have to play for if you're in edmonton or calgary you know it's not like this is must win mode it's not like this is you have to pick up a victory here it's like hey great you're already in the playoffs so let's make sure our guys are healthy let's make sure we're ready to peak at the right time i think edmonton has let that mentality creep in a little bit and like you said if you look at at the line play especially along that old line they just haven't been as good mike riley's not getting the time mike riley's trying to preserve himself by not running the ball or playing as recklessly as he used to i mean we don't need another drew willie or buck pierce here and he's probably been told like hey listen mike while you were gone we didn't have a whole lot of consistent quarterback play save yourself for the playoffs so I think maybe that's creeped into Edmonton a little bit, but I, 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 it's going to come down. It's going to be really interesting between these two football teams. Now, here's an interesting thing about uh, Edmonton here. Now, <laughs> they haven't – I think they had – when was their bye? Week two? And then they don't have a bye until the final week of the season. So if they finish first, 
They're going to have the final week of the season off. They're going to have the semifinals off. So essentially three weeks off between their their last game of the year and the West final. Maybe they want to finish second because you get that bye week anyway, and then you, you know play what? the semifinal. There's, there's you're uh, you're on. I think you were onto something there, Trav. I mean, from an Edmonton perspective, I mean, you, you even look at the teams seem to come out a little slow when they're given that bye week from the yeah. semifinal, but. I could only imagine the rust that would build up and, and, and just how much everybody's routines would be thrown off by all of a sudden having a three-week break. You're right. It might be best for Edmonton to finish second in the West and actually take the week off at the end of the regular season, which, I mean, most teams are essentially going to do anyways, and then, you know, be at home for the semifinal where you're well-rested but not rusty. So, no, uh, if, I think Edmonton, I, I think you're right. I think they almost want to avoid that situation. They'll never say it, but uh, yeah. I, I think privately that conversation's probably happened. Yeah, I did talk about it on CFLPass.ca. So it does mean that the the Eskimos would have to lose to BC, Saskatchewan, or uh, they play Montreal at the end of the year. So... You know, Calgary and Edmonton both play Saskatchewan. It'd be pretty funny if they both lost that game. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna of all the things that aren't going to happen, that one's not going to happen the most. There, Travis. I just, uh, especially now with the Riders getting rid of like at least when they got rid of Glenn, I thought, oh, okay, maybe they'll yeah. still scratch out a, a game. Maybe Messam will have a huge game and. Yeah, I just don't see that happening now. Now, staying with the Stamps for a little bit here, Fred Bennett broke his arm uh, in the last game. He is out for the year. So their defensive depth really getting tested right now. Uh, Bennett is gone. Simpson is gone. Uh, (laughs) That just uh, makes me think we might have a new king in uh, the West Division. I would think so, and I mean, Cal. I mean, again, it's a testament to just how good John Huffnagel is at building a football team. The fact that Calgary, no matter how many injuries they suffer, always seem to be good. I mean, they've always. I mean, you had that one guy. His name escapes me right now, but he had in one game he had to play both sides of the line, offensive and defensive. Yeah, because, Quinn Smith, I think. Thank you. Yes, they were so beat up that hey, we're literally out of guys. So go throw on a new jersey because you just changed <laughs> positions, son. <laughs> Like it's just it's 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 amazing to me that that here we yeah. are. Calgary's been through all these injuries, and they're eleven and four, and in the driver's seat to get first place in the West Division. Oh yeah, they, they've they've done uh, incredible things uh, this season. Well, and last because they had a lot of injuries too. Well, uh, yeah, and it's just it's just again, it's a testament to you know love him or hate him. I know Brazilian Ty absolutely hates him. It's just a testament to how good John Huffnagel is. He's one of those GMs that doesn't look at the draft as, you know, just a crapshoot, just a throwaway. Yep. He stocks up on that Canadian talent, and maybe that's what Saskatchewan's trying to do uh, with these trades here. Just uh, dump some salary and, you know, uh, stock up on a little bit of depth there. Now, did you see the Twitter warfare between uh, the Bombers and the All Caps? <laughs> you mean the blue golds and uh, the all caps? Uh, that's the only thing I saw was the screen grab of Winnipeg changing their name to the Winnipeg uh, blue golds. Outside of that, uh, you know me, I'm usually a little behind on my Twitter beef. So uh, fill me in, Trav. Well, it looked like Winnipeg started it. They, they changed their names 
to the blue golds, and then <laughs> and then now Ottawa's thing is this is a no fly zone. So in, oh, I like it. It's actually I'm really liking these things. I can't believe I just typed to look up the blue golds on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> but they're they're getting pretty personal, man, with their gifs or gifs or whatever they're uh, sending each other. Things are getting nasty. Didn't uh, didn't we decide that it was a gif because gif's a form of peanut butter and that makes us both hungry? Okay, good plan. We'll call it gif. <laughs> now I really want some peanut butter. <laughs> oh, I could go for a Reese's peanut butter cup right now. Oh, me too, man. <laughs> well, Where's our intern? Where's Brazilian Ty when you need him? Speaking of Brazilian Ty, now I don't know why I'm putting this in the news, but we officially <laughs> have our lover boy tickets to see them. Great Cup Saturday night in Winnipeg. I wow, that's uh that's that's great. That's uh that's good for you. Hey, come on! You don't like lover boy? I maybe I just worked in Canadian radio for far too long and heard just a little bit too much of it, but I'm more of a street heart guy myself. Hey, Streetheart puts on a great party. Oh, absolutely they do. Uh, yeah, Loverboy is just uh, less my jam. Well, I'm playing Working for the Weekend, and you can't say anything about that. Hey, that's a good, that is a good song. <laughs> I will give you that. They've got, see, to me, they've got like two or three. They'll put on a good show. I'm, I'm just, you know what? If you bring up any of your Grey Cup plans on this podcast, as I won't be going, you're going to be met with the same, you know, general <laughs> reaction if Liram Haralahu who worked in, walked into the room right now. Oh, hi. Well, well, let's face it. Any band, no matter how much you've heard them, is infinitely better after about seven beers. True enough. I used to think that the cover band at a lot of these Grey Cup parties was the best band ever. And then you go there when you're maybe you're a little hungover and you go, what was I thinking? I thought hey. these guys were like the second coming of the Tragically Hip. Okay, I've never been in the spirit of Edmonton while sober. So, uh, spoiled rotten, those guys get my vote. Those guys are awesome. Shout out to the East Coast. Can we can we put them into like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Oh, they can be in the Grey Cup Party Hall of Fame. Oh, they're they're always excellent. I can't remember. I think it must have been it must have been Ryderville a couple years ago. Uh, I was I had a real nasty hangover and I was quasi sober. And the same band played like two days in a row. And the second day I was just like, ugh. Yeah, this, this, I don't like the bands that they get, but the the Eskimos they do it right. Oh, that's because that Spirit of Edmonton is by far <laughs> the best Grey Cup party. Ah, uh, it's. Maybe in contention with the Atlantic Party. Okay, yeah, they they do a great job too. When you can have a lobster roll, that oh. <laughs> that was when you have the second biggest room outside of Ryderville at a Regina Grey Cup. You're putting on a good party. Uh, touchdown Atlantic, uh, applauso. And again, Spirit of Edmonton, one that you and I, when we went to Grey Cup in 2011, uh, as the intro always alludes to. Our hotel was literally beside Spirit of Edmonton, and that was the greatest thing ever. Best planning ever, even we though it was inadvertent. And I know. We just fluked into it. We literally started and finished every night at Spirit of Edmonton. Walk out of the hotel. Let's go to Spirit. Bam, bam, couple beer. We get go down to the convention center, Come back, end up at the Blue and Gold House that was the Elephant and Castle, and then back to Spirit of Edmonton. And then fall down the stairs and injure my ankle. And then me telling you to walk it off when you clearly need a medical attention, but I didn't want to wait in the hospital with you. Uh, the medical attention was all Dresslers and uh, Ryan Gingers for that Saturday. <laughs> I, re I remember you had this beat-up pair of running shoes on, and I'm tying them up tighter as if that's going to do anything with your clearly sprained ankle.
We just, I, I love the fact we just switched to cabs. Like it was, it, our hotel was maybe a kilometer away from the uh, Metro Vancouver. <laughs> it's Convention over half Center. a block away. Uh, we're taking a cab. Yeah, a uh, cabby guy. Like I don't even think the meter ran when we grabbed that cab a couple times. <laughs> I think it's time we get to the Fantasy Expose. Everybody's working for the weekend. Time for the Fantasy Expose on the Two and Out Podcast. (laughs) All right, so we started off uh, Friday night football. Riders head to Hamilton, and yet again, they make another rookie quarterback look like Doug Flutie. (laughs) Again, we go back to, I saw a stat tweeted out this week that the only quarterback to not throw for 200 yards on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is Brian Brom, and we all know how I feel about uh, Brian Brom. (laughs) That's how bad he is. Yeah, yeah, he couldn't even get 200 on the Riders. Meanwhile, you've got every other quarterback in the league, including Matthews, throwing for 385 and three touchdowns. You're right, second coming at Doug Flutie. Uh, the Riders in Kevin Glenn's last game, which, by the way, fun fact, now with the trade, he has been property of eight of the nine CFL teams. Edmonton, please sign him next year so we can say nine of nine. Uh, unspectacular in his last game as a Rider, 11 of 17, 67 yards. Brett Smith, a lot better. He was, if you listen to the post, game audio he was not happy with his performance numbers wise it was decent 11 of 20 243 a touchdown and a pick rushing wise smith uh, also having a good game with his legs i don't know why he was so mad kid just needs to relax i get it you're losing but that's because a lot of the guys around you can't stop anybody five for 57 jerome messam his last game as a rider uh just five for eight yards hamilton ford leading the way again 10 for 54 we speculated he might be the guy and it's starting to look like that dressler comes to life he's been off the past couple of weeks five for 105 with a touchdown the huge 79 yard play uh contributed to his big game also ryan smith having a good game the two little wee guys uh from the northern united states five for 95 and a touchdown rob bag four for 50 uh chris gets starting around in a form a little bit three of 32 sinkfeld jr of course when you have a big passing day you're gonna have big receiver numbers sinkfeld jr four for 163 and a touchdown underwood five for 108 and a touchdown and luke tasker five for 50 also with a touchdown kind of capping your scoring there as far as defensively. Of course, when the team's on the field a lot, Jeff Knox Jr. leading the way with nine tackles for the Riders. Kevin Glenn has been uh, kind of underwhelming since coming back from uh, injury for the Riders. He's, uh, he, he hasn't looked the same as he did early in the season. So do you think he'll be able to help out Montreal? Uh- I think so. That Ryder team also doesn't look like the same team that also started out the season. you got to think lots of injuries. Uh, yeah, and a lot of them, I think, have given up. Well, let's face it, yeah. You're playing a lot of young guys in spots you normally wouldn't play young guys. Even when Glenn took over as a starter, he was throwing for those ridiculous numbers beginning of the year. Everybody thought, oh, okay, you know, we still have a chance, right? Ah, we had kind of a bad start, we still have a chance. And again, then he goes down a second time and the season's essentially over. Two? I think he. I think he'll help out though. He's better than because right now Montreal is using six quarterbacks and they're all uh, yeah. they're the poo poo platter of quarterbacks. Yeah. Brian Brom could start for that team. Two points in the second half between the Eskimos and the Stampeders on Saturday night. You know what? Whenever these two teams play each other, take the under and bench everybody from fantasy. Oh, Mike Riley, yeah. twenty nine to forty two sixty four, two picks to his one touchdown. Bo Levi wasn't Bo Levying. 
17-32-230, two picks and a touchdown. Again, not spectacular numbers anyways. Bell, 13 for 45 rushing. John Cornish leads the way, 12 for 72. Markway McDaniel, the Stamps leading receivers, 8 for 92. Uh, Rogers had the touchdown along with four grabs for 77. Uh, Bowman, 66 yards on five catches. Walker, 63 yards on six catches. Because these two teams, like... And, and even, like, defensively, you think, oh, okay, a low-scoring game. Somebody's got to, you know, really stand out. Nobody really stands out for me on Edmonton. Uh, Calgary Johnson had eight tackles and a sack. McDonald, seven tackles and a pick. So, yeah, take if you're a betting person, take the under and play players from other games, I guess. So this is really funny. Last three games, Kenny Stafford, three catches, three touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> So you almost you almost think like uh, if he's getting looks in the red zone, you almost have to uh, think about starting him, right? Well, one was a fifty-five yarder, one was a thirty-three yarder, and one was a ten yarder. So they're all over the place. Yeah, he's he's getting lots of looks. If Edmonton can start figuring things out along that uh, offensive line, as we alluded to, you can tell just not in sync with a lot of new bodies there. Uh, look out! But against Calgary, yeah, I, I, again, these two teams don't play each other again. But it just seems like. Every game is just a defensive battle, and everybody goes, oh, everybody's so bad on these teams. No, it's just they hate each other and trying to smash each other in the mouth as hard as they can. I think that's what it is, and that's what we're going to see in the West Final. I really <laughs> hope that it's like a blizzard and it ends up one nothing <laughs> with, with the old kick-it-out-of-the-end-zone play. That, to me, is my all-time dream. If that <laughs> happened, I, I, I might never watch a game again because that would be the peak. You and I have, have very different opinions on what makes an entertaining <laughs> football game. You want to see a one nothing slugfest, and I want to see a like last-minute touchdown to make it like 38-31. to 31. Hey, kind of like the Bombers and the Lions. Hey, I watched this game, and we didn't screw it up because of Sergio. <laughs> Denmark is uh, alive. Breaking news. Uh, yeah. Uh, came uh, right off the mat. Uh, finally, <laughs> six for 60. Uh, one touchdown catch. Winnipeg rushing. Uh, again, not a lot. Cam Marshall, uh, 10 for 29. Matt Nichols. Again, we know what Matt Nichols is. He's This is just what he's going to do. He's not going to make a ton of mistakes, but he's not going to really win you a football game. 19 to 34, 179. And a touchdown. Also, uh, just noticing on the CFL stats page, um, their field goals uh, stat is completely screwed up. Uh, apparently, Cam Marshall kicked a field goal. Oh, that's and, awesome. I uh, see that. <laughs> that's uh, so what? No love for Sergio? You don't have him in the system? Like, come he on, everybody. Be, he might not be on the website. Everybody needs to get some Sergio in their lives. Yeah, that's a great name. Like, that <laughs> is. <laughs> <laughs> He's my new favorite player, I think. <laughs> Yes, that's how bad this year has been. My favorite player is a kicker. Uh, John Jennings, again, continues to be good. 24-31, 372, three touchdowns, two picks. Andrew Harris, a little bit of a down night for him. 11 for 47, again, with Winnipeg having about 12 CFL-ready linebackers. Don't expect teams to be able to run the ball on them a lot. Uh, Manny Arsenault, 8 for 151, two scores. Austin Colley, the other touchdown catch, but also Hawkins, 101 yards on five catches. And I'm just, I'm just mad. I'm, I'm a little rattled that Sergio isn't even on <laughs> isn't is on here. Like, where's my boy? He's my boy Sergio. If you're BC, are you going back to Lule uh, this week against Edmonton? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I saw a tweet that said they're not. I think they're they're saying this is Jennings' team going forward. 
Wow. Again, I might have misheard. Uh, If we had the Lion's Den guys that could verify that for us. Again, we record this live and kind of off the cuff, and I don't have a lot of time to look, but... At the minimum, I'm. I think I read someplace that he is starting this week in Edmonton. I don't know if anything past that, but if you're the Lions, you need a guy who isn't made out of duct tape, dreams, and the odd donut. Yeah, I just see a uh, tweet from Lowell Ulrich, uh, the fifth quarter on Twitter. Jeff Tedford says no change at starting quarterback. Now after the first half. Jennings, 16 of 17 for 307 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, he had himself a, a half. I, I I tell you what, like, he just, he. I watched most of this game uh, after a early Thanksgiving dinner as I had to be back in town for uh, to call the Hilltops, losing their first game since 2014. Uh, but, yeah, John, I, I'm really, I'm starting to think, I know we said, and I know Croker, when he guest co-hosted for you, we kind of thought Rakeem Cato was maybe the next guy, but, I'm the more I see John Jennings, the more I'm impressed. I mean, Winnipeg's been a solid team defensively this year. They've made some veteran CFL quarterbacks look human. Uh, you know, he's been okay. I know this is one Josh Smith, the Podsky Wee Wee. He's very passionate on Twitter that he thinks he's the real deal. Uh, he actually pointed out to me. I said, uh, you know, hey, I want to see him really go up another against more real defenses. He shredded the Riders. I mean, anybody can do that. And he said, hey, his first career CFL game against the against the Edmonton Eskimos. Look it up. Had himself a decent little game. And then I honestly think Winnipeg is a decent team defensively. So uh, Jennings definitely the real deal. If you hopped on him late, or if you're in any kind of a keeper league uh he might be a guy to to grab and hang on to yeah i'm trying to be careful because we had Derek taylor from tsn on earlier this season and uh, he had said everybody's going crazy over these rookie quarterbacks so i'm trying to temper my expectations with jennings but it's hard not to get excited the guy is awesome and he's had and he's had himself some good uh some good games and he's obviously got all the all the skills that a quarterback needs again I think the the bar has been set this year quite low by the rookie quarterbacks. I mean, you look at what Rakeem Cato has has done. Uh, Brahm's not a rookie, but he's a second-year player. You know, Jennings, when you look purely at his numbers, they're above average. But, I mean, it's not like he's lighting the world on fire. It's just he's giving BC good quarterback play. Nine touchdowns to six interceptions, except that as a rookie, his completion percentage is very high. And that's the thing that impresses me the most. He's making good decisions with his passes. He's completing 67% of his passes. So that's that's a sign that I think the guy's a real deal. And you know Tedford and the influence of Wally are going to put him in a scheme to succeed. He's not going to be thrown out there and thrown to the Wolves. Yeah, and we did see some good uh, rookie quarterback play uh, from Cato early in the season. Uh, James Franklin, John Jennings, Harris. You know, he's been there for a while, but this is his first real shot. See, I I don't consider consider anybody that's that's been in the room and been in the organization, especially under the same head coach, a rookie by, by any standards. I mean, Harris is starting for the first time, but it's his fourth year in the CFL. Most of those with, all four of those with Toronto, most of those with Scott Milinovic. Jennings, uh, he has some incredible chemistry with Manny Arsenault as well, who at times this season has looked kind of uh, invisible. Uh, and over the past two games for Manny, it's 12 catches, 288 yards, and four touchdowns. <laughs> uh, Jennings seems to give his entire team kind of a kick in the ass to you know get better. No, you're right, and I think he's playing with a spark, and he's playing well. 
and he's making guys be relevant again. I mean, Arsenal to me, all of a sudden with Jennings there is is a must start. Now, again, temper that expectation. He's going into a game against Edmonton. So, yeah. to me, this game against Edmonton, the second matchup with the Eskimos, is going to be the real test if Jennings is for real, if they could squeak out a win or even just keep the game close. I think you can start, you know, talking about, uh, you know, maybe Travis Lule goes the, go, and the Lions go separate ways. Yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, Jennings almost beat Edmonton a couple of weeks ago, but now the Eskimos should have some more film on him. They should know what to expect here. Uh, as far as Winnipeg goes, I really want to give a shout-out to Jamal Westerman. Leads the league in sacks. He had yep. two in this game against a team that has not been giving up very many sacks this year. No, and that's proven what a beast Jamal we- uh, Richards, yeah. uh, Jamal Westerman is, is having. Ian Wild, too, back from the NFL, has the fumble recovery touchdown that really sealed the deal uh, in that game. Mo Leggett with two sacks, Khalil Bass with a sack. So again, Winnipeg was was okay defensively. Adams with an interception nearly had two of them, but uh, and then Adam and then Big Hill, uh, a big game with eight tackles. And uh, the one name I can guarantee I will never get wrong: Eric Fraser, seven tackles. <laughs> Yeah, that one's pretty tough. Uh, we did uh, talk about Mikhail Brooks. I think it's Mikhail. I was watching the broadcast, so uh, I didn't want him run into him at the Grey Cup, 6'3", 275, and he would crush me like an empty beer can. So, Well, uh, <laughs> see, I'm not at the Grey Cup, so I still continue calling him Mikhail Brooks. Uh, I'm out. You're on your own there, John. <laughs> All right. I, I still don't think he could crush you. You're kind of a big dude. You're more like a big teddy bear. You just kind of squish. <laughs> Thanksgiving Day Classic, Argos and Alouettes. Uh, this one was kind of, uh, you know, uh, one of those physical battles. But the, the Argos, uh, again, fourth quarter, they showed up and ended up winning the game. What they're doing is insane this year. Yeah, I mean, considering they play basically every single game on the road, yeah. and with the Blue Jays winning, I don't think they'll see Rogers Center again this year. Uh, it's it's remarkable what they're doing through the adversity, and they're proving that they're a great football team. They lost their starting quarterback, but Travis, Trevor Harris says, it's hey, guys, it's okay. I got this. 16-21-182, two touchdowns, one interception. Not a great game for him, but again, enough to win. Tanner Marsh, the leading passer of the three for Montreal, 9-14-119, a touchdown and an interception. Brandon Whitaker, uh, there's another guy that had kind of fallen asleep for the past little while. 17 for 99 (coughs) and a touchdown. Terrell Sutton with a touchdown run for Montreal, but only 28 yards on nine carries. SJ Green, well, he's pretty good. Five for 81, uh, Nick Lewis, 51 uh, for seven. Sam Jaguer only had 35 yards, but that catch he made to keep the game alive on third down, the nonchalant one-handed grab, that to me is one of the catches of the year by far. For me, how does SJ Green continue to do that considering who's throwing him the ball? Well, it's 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 all about the yards yards after the catch. He makes the grab, and from from some guys that are just dumping to him, and, and Calvillo and Dinwiddie obviously have – you know, plans in there to get him space. It's just he's not getting the ball all that often, and, but when he does get it, he's turning it into something. So, again, I, I, I think I'm encouraged if I'm a Montreal fan, and I'm waiting to see what Kevin Glenn can do with what obviously is a strong offensive scheme, although the numbers may not be there. But I think a lot of that is you look at Tanner Marsh at the end of that game. I mean, there was two passes that were completely uncatchable, and if it wasn't for one of the plays of the year by Sam Jaguer, he overthrows his man on third down and game over. 
Enoch Mwamba makes his return uh, for the Alouettes. Now, we thought he had a double-double, but he wasn't uh, credited with one of the sacks there. I think it went to Napton, so he does have an interception. He has five tackles, and Gabriel Napton and that defense continue to look great. Uh, Venable with 11 tackles and a sack. You're right, I was all excited for Enoch to come back to Canada and celebrate with a double-double, but... uh... Uh, no Moss. Toronto, uh, Gurley doing his thing, seven for uh, three for 73. Uh, Spencer, one for 20 and a touchdown. Again, Toronto, like, they got to be giving lessons on where to go find young receivers because they've done great uh, with Harris. Uh, Miles, eight tackles in a sack, and uh, no double-doubles over there either. <laughs> now, as far as the Argos go, now Saturday's game, uh, they've already said it's going to be at Tim Hortons Field against the Calgary Stampeders. Yep. Now, we're recording the podcast right now. Houston is beating Kansas City uh, in the ALDS. If the Astros win, then the Jays will be at home. But if the Royals win, the game won't be at home. Now, how long, just curious, do you know uh, how long it takes to switch the stadium over from uh, football to baseball and vice versa? Well, you're probably looking uh, a solid uh, – you're looking probably a solid day. You have to think, too, that if you're the Toronto Blue Jays, you don't want anything messed with your field at all at this time of the year. This is the biggest time of the year. And, again, the Blue Jays are the primary tenant of Rogers Center. The Blue Jays are owned by Rogers. There's not a chance, as long as the Blue Jays are in the playoffs, that you will see a Toronto Argonauts game at Rogers Center. It won't happen. They're not going to jeopardize because again you you move the turf you move, move things around the Jays are happy with the way things are right now with the way the ball's bouncing you know the last thing they want is to let the Argos play and then have a freak accident occurs where Marcus Stroman re-blows up his knee because he steps on a seam uh, I believe it does take about a day to change everything over it might be less time but there's a snowball's chance in hell you're going to see the Argos at that stadium as long as the Blue Jays are alive now, this is interesting to me. Arash Madani tweeted out that if the Argos uh, are at uh, BMO next year and TFC makes the playoffs, then, well, uh, the Argos are going to be kicked out again. So I, I can't help but just feel bad for yeah. uh, Toronto. Well, and, and that's it. I mean, what. At some, they they're not profitable enough on their own to warrant the Rose Stadium in the city of Toronto. The TFC deal is going to be the best thing. I mean, I can't imagine a soccer to football conversion. I'm sure the league will be able to work something out that they can move the game. I mean, let's face it, soccer to football, all you're really doing is changing the way this. Is, you know, you're just changing the crews and the sidelines, right? So uh, that's an interesting situation to me. I, again, TFC's been there first, and they are the first tenant on the lease but uh, i think some i think there's much more willingness to get something worked out with the two with the mlsc property and the bell media property than there is between bell and rogers or uh, mlsc and rogers right now i'll be uh, honest i don't know anything about <laughs> mls so that's because it's the maybe 18th best professional league in the world. It's a, it's a joke. I mean, even but, to, even tonight, look at – go again, we're recording this on the night that the Blue Jays won. They beat Texas in, in the ALDS. We are recording this on a Tuesday night. Or, or pardon me, tonight is Wednesday. I'm a day ahead of myself. That Blue Jays that game's That was Thanksgiving coming. that screwed you up. Exactly. Thanksgiving that screwed me up. I've got two <laughs> football games I'm working this weekend myself, so my life is a blur right now. But either way, go on Twitter and look up a picture of how few fans were at that MLS game while head-to-head with the Toronto Blue Jays. I mean, you can slam the Argos for low attendance, but 
I mean, come on, TFC. It just seems like it, it seems like a fun thing to do on a Wednesday night. That you know, people. I, I guess you can care about it, but it's, it's to me the fact that it's it's getting any kind of billing ahead of the Argos. It just it makes no sense to me. This is the, the nobody can argue strictly skill wise, payment wise, everything. We are at the very least a one B professional league as far as professional football. And I'm not even kidding. I'm sure there's Italian club teams that could beat TFC, like Italian rec league teams that probably have guys like Sergio everywhere. <laughs> Make now, kicks I, for days. I, I guess that uh, traditionally a semifinal and a f- division final uh, CFL games happen on Sunday. Now, how does that work with MLS? Is it kind of any game uh, or any day of the week? Or I don't know. Uh, I've never looked at their schedule. I don't give a damn about that low caliber of soccer. I'll watch some I'll watch some <laughs> English Premier League uh, on the weekends. You know, if I'm getting up, if I'm up early, if I'm making some breakfast, I'll throw that on because, you know what, those are guys that make millions of dollars and are good at what they do. Yeah. I just I don't even, I've never looked at an MLS. I you know what in my job as a sports anchor this is even more hilarious because our wire service constantly sends us updates. TFC's doing this. TFC's doing this. I don't give a flying get the angry elk. <laughs> I got him. I, I don't give a flying f- about what these that what TFC is doing. No matter how much you shove it down my throat. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they play on. Maybe they play at three in the afternoon on Tuesdays. I don't know. <laughs> There's no league. There's no league I hate more than MLS. Trav, you are you are the angry elk. Oh, I am the angry elk because then you look like I we're running into a situation where football and soccer are starting to go head to head for certain venues in this city. I look, you know, I do Canadian Junior Football League play by play, and the Edmonton Wildcats, the Edmonton Huskies, are two teams based out of Edmonton. They've been based at a Clark Park forever. They're getting strong-armed out of their facility for practice times and for game times and everything because a second-tier MLS team has moved in there, Edmonton FC. So you're the MLS's minor leagues. Um, Again, Spanish rec teams could beat you. Like, a bunch of guys out playing footy could beat you. So now soccer's giving football the squeeze out of all these venues, and I'm sorry, like, your second-tier professional sport that nobody cares about what like your your twentieth tier professional sport that nobody cares about is pushing out the sport that I love? Yeah, I'm gonna be a little angry. I'm sorry. I you, you know what? Locally, locally, I love going to my U of S soccer games. I love Husky soccer. Love going to those games. I got a small field here. It's awesome. But they don't squeeze anybody out of of their facilities because they think they have this sense of entitlement that they were there first. Yeah. So I, I just took a look at uh, the next. Uh, uh, three games for TFC. Uh, they play uh, Wednesday, uh, which was today, uh, October 14th. They play October 17th, and then they play October 25th. So it seems to be all over the place, and I'm pretty sure that they could uh, accommodate the Argonauts, or at least they they better. Uh, otherwise, oh, I'm gonna I'm just gonna riot, and you know I'm gonna start like <laughs> pouring honey all over myself, and then going let to it, the woods. Let and, Adventure Bear get you. Yes, that's exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> Uh, Before we get into another more R-rated Grey Cup story, maybe we should just hear what Brazilian Ty has to say. Yes, and we are going to Lover Boys, so this is getting waxed with Brazilian Ty. Hey, it's Brazilian Ty once again to bring you the fourth edition of Getting Waxed for Week 16 in the CFL. With five games this past week, I would have thought that there would be a few more games to pick from, but with the average point differential being 6.4, all seemed lost. Then I remembered that the Riders played on Friday night. This really shouldn't come as a shock to anybody, 
After all, they were down 20-0 at halftime. They did end up outscoring the Tire Cats 15-10 in the second half, but it was all for naught considering the hole they dug themselves early on in the game. Saskatchewan's defense was once again exposed to the air, allowing 391 yards on 23 completions for an average of 17 yards a catch to go along with three touchdowns and no picks from Jeff Matthews. Now officially out of the playoff contention, I expect much of the same from this team to finish the year. This week's honorable mention comes once again from the NCAA. Now this game was not a blow-up by any means, but it was worth mentioning. Boston College and Wake Forest played to a 3-0 final in a game that had twice as many turnovers and points. John Wolford for Wake Forest was the game's leading passer with 109 yards on 11 completions with no TDs and a pick, while Jeff Smith for Boston College had 56 yards on 4 completions to go along with teammates Troy Flutie's 18 yards on 2 completions. Yes, I said Troy Flutie. Son of CFL record holder for receptions in a game and fourth all-time in receptions, Darren Flutie. He has some big shoes to fill out at Boston College, but it's not like anybody in his family has ever won any big games for that school. If you feel the need to rip me on Twitter, you can find me there at Brazilian Tie. Remember to keep your wax hot and your strips clean. This has been Getting Waxed on the Two and Out CFL Podcast. Now back to Trav and John. It's everyone's favorite game show. Are you smarter than two overweight Canadian podcasters? Pick the weekly winners in the CFL on Facebook or Twitter at Two and Out CFL. So uh, before we make the picks, I guess we do need to mention that playoff time right around the corner uh, for fantasy leagues, depending on what your league likes, your playoffs could be starting uh, this week. We we're done. Uh, we lost the twine time again. A guy that says he's never played fantasy uh, football. You know what? He bought me a beer in Calgary. He can do whatever he wants. Oh, one beer you're easily bought that easily. <laughs> it, it was more the company of actually seeing Twine time and getting to hang out with him. And and he did stats for me up in the booth in Calgary. So, you know what? Twine time can go ahead and uh, beat us any day of the week. And I don't feel bad. James is a great guy. Speaking of buying beer for people, this uh, uh, the, the Grey Cup in 2011, I remember very... F- It's a fuzzy memory, and uh, (laughs) there's a lot of fuzzy memories from there. We were at the Spirit of Edmonton that one night, and these people come up to me. Do you remember this? They're like, they were from WestJet, and they were like, "You are the fan of the day. We're gonna upgrade your seats for the Grey Cup." And they gave me like ten drink tokens. I remember that because you came by and started buying me drinks. Yeah, I gave them my phone number. They gave me these drink tokens. But yet we were still 102 rows up in the end zone. They disappeared, but I, I think we got the free drinks, so that that was all that mattered to me. Hey, yeah, uh, that's that's when I uh, <laughs> that's when I that's what I got uh, uh, you know on the rum bus. So <laughs> yeah. that was a good night. <laughs> uh, now uh, let's move on to the picks here. Now taking a look at. The, the Pick'em CFL group, I'll be honest, like I have basically, I make the picks, but I, I just, I have no belief in myself. My confidence is shattered. I, I need to go to a support group now. I uh... It's okay, buddy. I'm here. I'm here for you. Brazilian Ty, though, leader of the uh, 2NL CFL podcast Pick'em group. Uh, he's 66th in Canada, so I guess we're starting Friday night football. It is the Bombers and the Red Blacks, I actually think this week is going to be tough to do the picks. No, I, I'm with you too, uh, but uh, we're so bad, who cares? Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all caps uh, are, are the blue golds and uh, the all caps. Who do you got? 
I am going to take the all caps. They're at home. Uh, I think they're they got a better chance of winning than uh, my Winnipeg Blue Bombers. People will criticize me for losing faith, but maybe just just pulling the reverse jinx. This is a home and home, so I do think Ottawa takes this one and maybe Winnipeg uh, next week. Have they officially said that Drew Willie is done for the season? No, they haven't, but we're, as I always say, when you don't hear anything about a guy, that's usually a pretty good sign that he's probably done for a while. I don't see, if you're Winnipeg, unless you secure yourself a playoff spot, why you would, you know, do anything, uh, like, uh, I, I don't know. I think give the ball to Matt Nichols, don't let Drew Willie get himself any more hurt. But if it comes down to the last game of the season and they win and they're in, do you do it? Oh, now there's a tough call. I think you have to because it gives you the best chance to win by far. Yeah, because you know anything can happen in the playoffs. We've said that it's we, we've said that over and over. Uh, all you need to do is get in, and then no, after that, sure. <laughs> anything. Well, yeah, you can get a bad game, or like when we talked to former bomber Steve Morley, you might get minus seventy two someplace and one team that just doesn't want to play. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm gonna go win uh, Ottawa uh, as well there too. This so who's one. who's our Ottawa band? Is it time for a little Alanis? I think it's Alanis. Yeah, l- let's play Alanis. It's not fair to deny me of the cross I bear that you can't make you ought to know. All right, moving on to Saturday. We have a double header. We start with Argos and Stampeders. Now, <laughs> I feel bad for the Argos. They're at home in but- Tim Hortons Field. Yeah, I don't know what kind of support or home field advantage they you know what they would have been they would have been really smart to do if there was any way at all to basically say, Hey, you know what? Tickets for this game are ten bucks. I'm sure people would fill it and I'm sure people would cheer for the Argos. I don't know the logistics of it. I don't think Hamilton fans want to cheer for Calgary either, so maybe it's just gonna be a blur of noise on uh either team. <laughs> Any, yes, any I, I, I think so. I think, it, you know what, there will be just, it's like, let's face it, you and I have even gone to games that it's like, ah, I don't really care about either team. Hey, yeah. like, look at when we went to the Vanya Cup. It was like, hey, let's just cheer for whoever's doing good. And then we had ourselves a great time. So I think you'll get some football fans like that that want to take in a game and maybe see some different teams. So, But either way, I am going to pick because they always win on the road. Uh, even with Jerome Messam, I think... The Toronto Argonauts are going to win, so roll some poor young things, my friend. You know what? I'm going Toronto uh, as well. Uh, Calgary, just for me, hasn't looked uh, all that good uh, on the road. And uh, Toronto, (laughs) if they can win in Ottawa and Fort McMurray, they can win in Hamilton. So let's roll some poor young things. second half of that doubleheader, a game that I will be at. Now the weather's starting to get a little bit dicey, but the Saturday forecast is looking okay. I put some all-weather tires on my vehicle, so uh, I'm, I'm prepared. You are ready to go for whatever. Um, you might want to wrap yourself in all-weather tires, though, if the uh, if things <laughs> do change. But let's face it again. I'm the soft one. You're the one who'll sit in a football game no matter what. Uh, you know what? I'm uh, – and just because I think I'm finally back – what did the Eskimo Empire guys say? I'm finally back at Square after all those Empire points I lost. Well, I think you came out of the week even. So. What? I think they never give me points. <laughs> I, I've got a lot of points. Well, you know what? Never mind. Well, let's do this. We're going fight, 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 oh, Eskimos. 
That is the best I can sing, damn it. You know what? I would not be shocked if BC shocks Edmonton Ooh, here. Ooh, I like where you're going with this. I don't know if I want to do it, though. I just really want Empire Point. So you know what? Who cares? We've already <laughs> lost. We're, like, way behind Brazilian tie. We're not going to win it. We're going to owe the guy a double-double, and he's our freaking intern. Uh, go ahead and take the Lions, Trav, and uh, pick a band that's not Nickelback. Okay, I am going to play Trooper. Alright, so we go to Sunday, final game of week 17, Hamilton and Montreal. This one to me, I don't know what to think of Jeff Matthews yet. He he lit up the riders and he really didn't do anything. Uh, against uh, was it Calgary uh, the week before? So well, let's call let's call quarterbacking a wash in this game because I don't think Kevin Glenn will be able to start on that short of notice. If if, if that's the case, I don't think he'll have full command of the offense. Uh, let's just let's just play this off. Cats. I am going tie cats. Absolutely, I'm going for the tabbies. I got to pick one road team this week. <laughs> All right, and I am. Uh, I'm going Alouettes. So I guess I got to play the Respectables. Oh, I like it. That's why I'm giving it up, giving it up for my sugar. I'm giving it up, giving it up, giving it up, giving it up for my sugar. I will say one thing about this game. Take the under. Yep. (laughs) It could get a little messy. (laughs) Yeah, that will be uh, definitely a uh, a messy game on Sunday. I guess that does it. Episode 21 of the Two and Out CFL podcast. Now, we've got some cool things uh, coming up between now and the end of the season. I do want to put together kind of a best of episode or let's call it least worst because nothing we do is the best of anything yeah yeah slightly higher than mediocre episode or (laughs) the slightly not quite terrible episode (laughs) i like that so i i guess if you have any favorite memories uh for something that we got to throw in as if any of it is memorable uh tweet at two and out cfl because let's face it I don't want to go back and listen to every episode and pick it myself. Can I just so, nominate both editions of Drunk General Managers? Okay, yeah, we can put that in. That, All right, well, uh, and there. the one time I played Nickelback? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, that stays out. <laughs> the worst part? <laughs> yeah, that is slightly below very terrible. Nah, that was just terrible. Uh so I, I'll never forget because they played the Great Cup Halftime Show again in 2011. Yeah. I it, left. I, I know you did. You you were like, I'm getting up. I'm going to get myself a $16 beer. And I'm like, I came back and like, I remember they played two songs that were upbeat. And I'm like, you know what, Trav? I don't mind, mind this. Then all of a sudden they moved into like some makeout music. And you got these eyes. And then I left too. <laughs> the service was so good at BC Place that I was back before they were done and they couldn't get away. I, I know you tried it and you <laughs> failed. The lesson is, Travis, never try. <laughs> never hustle i like that so uh <laughs> we are going to do a best of episode we will have an episode from uh, winnipeg as that i well. will be involved in thanks for reminding me thanks jackass I, I have no promises on how 
good or bad that episode would be. Oh. It might be ugly. Yep. Yeah. But it, it'll be interesting. It, uh, let's call it sloppy. <laughs> yes. It'll be, it'll be sloppy from my uh, hotel room uh, at the Grey Cup. So uh, make sure you like us, uh, follow us, 2 and CFL on Facebook or Twitter. Rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, and we'll be back next week.